Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host. Her biggest screw-up in the kitchen happened when she put burgers in the grill and the oven caught fire, Leanne Hughes. Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning into episode 29. Welcome to another solo episode too. I've had some pretty hectic weeks, which have been full of both facilitation and face-to-face delivery. So I thought I'd share a recent experience with all of you while it was fresh in my mind. Now, if you're the type that prefers the interview format of the show, don't you worry, as I have loads of exciting guests queued up for future episodes. I'm simply mixing up the format, as we know all good facilitators should. So last week, I was invited to Sydney for a few days to facilitate an annual planning session. Now, this is a little different to the work I've been exposed to before in that it was facilitation in its truest sense. It wasn't about teaching a new skill or delivering a team activity. I was there as a facilitator to ensure the conversation was on track uh, and that the discussions weren't going around in circles, that the group was sticking to the task and that we kept to time. This facilitation job was for my day job. And if you're new to the show, I work for a global mining services provider. Uh, So the details of the agenda are all commercial and confident. So I can't go into detail on that side of things. But what I can share with all of you are some really fantastic tools that I discovered while planning for this, as well as some advice that I received from other people that I think you as listeners of this podcast could really benefit from. On that note, I was thinking of creating some kind of peer support group for first-time facilitators, maybe a closed Facebook group where we can start sharing these tools and getting support from each other. Uh, If that's something that you're interested in, let me know. You can email me, hello at firsttimefacilitator.com, shoot me a tweet at Leanne Hughes or simply add me on LinkedIn. I think it just would be really great to start leveraging the activities that we're all doing around the world and supporting each other. Now, at this stage, I don't really know if there is a need for it. So like I said, if you're interested, reach out and we'll go from there. So on this episode today, I'll be talking about some tools which are quite visual. Now, you can find a link to all of these on the show notes page at firsttimefacilitator.com slash episode 29. And look, while you're there, um, you can sign up to the monthly newsletter called The Flip Chart, where I share highlights of some really cool facilitator tools I've been geeking out on, as well as my icebreaker of the month. Okay, so let's jump in. So when you're facilitating these type of annual planning sessions, part of your role as facilitator at the beginning is to go through the agenda and set expectations. So this was a three-day planning meeting and each person attending already had been briefed on the agenda and had access to the agenda. So I really want to get up to the front of the room and tell them what we were doing that day and at what time because A... They already had access to that information and B, that's pretty standard and boring. So I found a really cool way of presenting the agenda through a website called GameStorming. This format is called the Hero's Journey Agenda. The Hero's Journey was a concept created by a guy called Joseph Campbell in a book called The Hero of a Thousand Faces. Now what Joseph does in that book is that he maps out and explains that every great adventure or hero's journey goes through a sequence of steps. Now, on the GameStorming site, Dave Gray shares how he's mapped that hero's journey to a normal meeting agenda. So you can relate this agenda to the journey that Luke, you know, that Luke Skywalker went through, Bilbo Baggins and The Hobbit, Dorothy and The Wizard of Oz, and probably any one of your favourite superheroes. 
So in this episode, I'll give a quick rundown of how that works, but also uh, share the video explanation in the show notes. How it starts off is that you draw a circle and explain that the circle represents their meeting or conference. So in my example, the next three days. You explain that over the course of the three days, they're going to take a hero's journey. So the hero's journey starts in ordinary life, and that's around the 12 o'clock mark on the circle. And that's where we are at the moment. Now, there are two main sections to the hero's journey, the known world, which is the top half of your circle, and that's life as we know it, our regular working day. Then the other half is the unknown world, which is the bottom half of your circle, which in our scenario was 2019 and beyond. So what we do is we start at the top of the circle, like I said, at the 12 o'clock position in ordinary life. And as we go around the circle clockwise, we're going to take the hero's journey. So the hero is living an ordinary life and gets a tap on the shoulder and that's the call to adventure. So for Harry Potter, that call comes from Hagrid. And that person comes to you and they give you the meaning of the journey, what you need to achieve, the purpose, etc. So in the case of a meeting, this is a really good time to start exploring the purpose, objectives and outcomes for your meeting and why you're meeting in the first place. Or if your first presenter is going to do that, you can mention that here. So the first step, the one o'clock is the call to adventure. Now, I won't get into too much detail um, around the whole circle, but as you start working around the circle, you draw and mention things on the hero's journey and relate them back to the meeting. For example, a hero always has the assistance of helpers and mentors that help them on their way. So in the case of The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, uh, that's Gandalf the Wizard. Um, And what you do is you can compare the people that are coming in, those external people that are coming into your meeting and start comparing them to those, I guess, helpers and mentors that you see in those adventures. When we keep going across the circle, we encounter things like crossing the threshold into the unknown world. Uh, And you can say to your participants, that's probably a really good time to stop and have a coffee. Uh, You have the trials and tribulation stage around four o'clock, which you can also call problems and pitfalls. So in the adventure novels, this is when you start having to climb the mountain or having to slay off the trolls. And you can relate this back to brainstorming in the meeting, talking about what the problems are for your group. Now, about the six o'clock mark of the circle is what you call the pit. It's the belly of the whale where you've opened up all of these problems and you, I guess the group starts thinking to themselves, how are we ever going to solve these? And also, are we ever going to get home? So the pit is a moment of great pain, but also great reflection and opportunity. It's where Bilbo Baggins finds the ring. So at that point in the meeting, encourage the people in the room to call it out and start reflecting on how they feel and how then can they make progress. After the pit, so around your 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock mark, you start developing new powers and new ways of doing things. You learn how to use the force. This is where you start creating solutions and actions on how to tackle the unknown. However, the hero's journey doesn't end there. You still have to cross the threshold back into the known world. Now you have new gifts and new ways of thinking. And collectively, you need to figure out how you're going to share these ideas with your teams back home. So in the meeting agenda, this is where you start talking about how to communicate the actions from the meeting and the next steps. That was a very brief um, summary of the hero's journey agenda. I just found it really cool. And I only saw this concept a few days before flying down to Sydney, but I immediately thought jackpot and just decided I had to use it. And there is a bit in that to remember. So this was my strategy on learning all of that. 
I downloaded the explanation video from the game storming site onto my iPhone and every opportunity I had, I popped in those headphones and listened to David's explanation. Now, my next step was to write out the explanation in my own words, linking it back to the upcoming agenda. I then recorded myself explaining it and then started listening to that over and over again. My final step was to explain the concept to my husband and a couple of friends. And once I could do that confidently enough, I knew that I was ready to use it for the main event. Now, you can be listening thinking that this is a bit of a cheesy concept and maybe it is for the audience that you might be pitching it for. Um, We always say, and previous guests have also reinforced this, um, always consider your audience and their needs before selecting an appropriate analogy or tool. Um, So my audience were a team of executives that are super busy, in-demand people who were brought up on Star Wars. So I guess this, this was really an opportunity to talk to them, snap out of what they were thinking before they arrived to the meeting, but also relate them to you know, being heroes. So that worked really well in this case. And I could tell because I, um, well, they continually referred back to the agenda using phrases like the pit in conversation to keep track of where they were along in their journey, how they were feeling and how they were going to bring it back home. Okay, here's the other tool I found that I loved. Um, Have you ever been in a meeting where you're talking about a three-year plan but the conversation keeps getting brought back to detail and the problems of today. Or the conversation is way too abstract when operational detail is exactly what's needed. I kind of think that we've all been there, right? Okay, so when this happens, you can use this next tool. It's called Altitude, which I again discovered from the game storming site. Now you use Altitude to agree on expectations and to help keep people focused at the right level to serve the goals of your meeting. How it works is for prep work, draw up a flip chart. Again, I'll have a link to this image on the show notes. You divide it into three sections horizontally. Um, So on the flip chart at the top, you've got the word satellite. In the middle section, the middle, middle row, you have the word airplane and an image of an airplane. And then you write the word ground on the third row. Now, when you're ready to explain the concept, give everyone a sheet of paper and ask them to make a paper airplane. And if you have enough time, you can give them a chance to test how well they fly too. Following this, reveal your altitude flip chart and ask the group to define what it means by the satellite level, the airplane level, or the ground level in the context of their meeting. So for example, If they say that the satellite level is too high, but the ground level is too detailed, ask them for examples of the kinds of things they would consider at the right altitude. Then ask them for examples of things that would be too low or too high for their discussions. When you've reached some consensus on the right altitude level, put a mark on the page to represent that yes, we agree, this is the right altitude for today's meeting. Then tell them whenever they notice the conversation going too high, could be abstract, vague, strategic, or too low, down in the weeds, tactical or operational, they can float their airplane and that will be a signal to the group. So I think this tool is fantastic for a few reasons. It stops you as a facilitator to be like that teacher that's coming in to remind people that they're rushing to detail too quickly. Plus, I really like the accountability is on the people in the room to self-moderate. So they've agreed on the right level of discussion up front 
and they each had their plane to float when they realised the conversation is steered at the wrong altitude. Okay, so, so far I've covered a neat way to talk through your agenda using the hero's journey agenda, as well as set expectations of the level of detail using the altitude flip chart. For the remainder of the episode, though, I'd like to share the useful advice that I received from a couple of people that helped me hone in and really focus on what was important in preparing for this type of workshop. I'm sure many of you from time to time receive useful advice Um, I guess what's really special and and really cool about having a podcast is that I can share and scale the advice that is relevant to you just by reading out some amazing emails that I received. You know, let me know if you found any of this useful. I emailed an old boss. Her name is Julie Keane. And to be frank, Julie is probably one of the best leaders I've ever worked for. She's currently working in Timor as a skills development and employment specialist and she's held, you know, roles up there in terms of executive and director roles across the Pacific region. I haven't included all of the advice in her email, but here is a snapshot. She said, my main advice to you is to trust your intuition. You are not there to be the center of attention. You are there to allow others to put together their collective intelligences. As in the old aphorism, you need to be the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. So the best facilitators don't seem to be facilitating, but provide the space for others to produce the outcomes. Now, depending on the group, this can be tricky, but you should expect an executive group to put in big time. Which brings me to the next question. Are they doing any prep? One thing you can do as the facilitator is to put some questions to them in advance with an expectation that they will bring answers with them to the sessions. The more confronting the questions, the better, even if you don't get to address them during the planned sessions. You can also think about questions that you can send them home with at the end of each day. Make sure they are hard questions. Make them work for their money, so to speak. I'm sure you know the concept of wicked problems. Throw a few at them during the day and let them develop solutions. Scenario planning is another strategy that can work well with the right group. You can develop a range of scenarios in advance and have them work through and document solutions. Uh, This can provide the basis for risk management planning, but can also develop some blue sky thinking. If you plan on parking ideas, make sure you come back to these and really play them up. Sometimes the parking lot can provide the best thinking and the best outcomes. If you park a lot of ideas over three days, you can go through a selection process with the group to identify those that merit further thinking and those that can be discarded. And finally, remember that the process of planning is often more important than the outputs. This may be a one-off opportunity for every voice to be heard, and that should be valued in its own right, irrespective of any collective outputs from the group. There's so much I took away from that email, but what I really liked uh, was the guide on the side analogy. Um, I do refer a lot of facilitation stuff to sport if you've listened to the podcast in previous episodes. Uh, With this, I think it's about the concept of being a referee in sport. Um, With refereeing, I guess you know you've done a good job if no one is talking about you at the end of a game. And I think that applies to this type of facilitation. The other part of Julie's email that really stood out for me was to not focus on the outcomes too much and let them focus on the process of planning. So these execs haven't been in the room for quite some time and there were some topics that I let continue for a while because I rarely had the opportunity to spend the time exploring those things and there was real value in letting that conversation continue. 
I also connected with Sue Johnston. You may have heard her back in episode seven of the podcast. And she gave me some ideas um, to use if you find that the team were going around in circles. She said to call it, just to simply call it by saying, look, it seems like you're getting into some detail that may not be necessary right now. And then ask them to park the issues. Following this, she suggested introducing a third party perspective into the room. One that is asking for a result and requires them to take action. For example, well, what are our customers expecting to see? Or imagine the board chairperson has asked you to provide a broad brush of the options at the end of the day. What would you say? Uh, Michael Port, one of my favourite podcasters in his podcast, Steal the Show, talks about not using absolute words um, when public speaking. And I think it also applies to facilitation. So start looking at ways that you can incorporate phrases like, it seems like, dot, 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 or what I'm hearing is, dot, dot, dot. Is that correct? So those are a few tools and tips that I discovered last week that may be useful for you if you're being asked to facilitate and chair some big meetings. Let me know your thoughts. If you found this was useful, again, email me, hello at firsttimefacilitator.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll chat to all of you next Monday. Thank you for listening to the First Time Facilitator podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to keep up to date with all the episodes, make it easy for yourself and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player and leave a review in iTunes. Um, Every bit helps. Thanks again and speak to you all next Monday.